0: Trick or treat. On this episode, we're going to talk about the football team that ECU won't beat, the bowl game that the Bearcats seek, and the basketball teams that tick off, tip off next week. Thank you for listening. As I've mentioned before, I am a, I am Mike Schneid. I am a Cincinnati alum and I really love my alma mater. And all I've ever wanted to do is write and talk about Cincinnati Bearcats athletics. So, I've been really appreciative to SB Nation for giving me this opportunity at Down the Drive. And I'm really appreciative to the many people who have listened to this podcast and that have been reading the articles. I just wanted to know that I am thankful. I appreciate the feedback and there's many, many more exciting things to come to Down the Drive. There's many exciting things on the site right now. A lot of new content this week for everyone to read. Women's basketball begins on Tuesday. The ladies get Utah at home. Utah was a 20-win team. The Bearcats went 24-11 and last season, and this year expectations are really high. They do return four starters, five key players in Michelle Clark Hurd's second year, and we'll kind of get to them a a little bit later. Uh, The men's basketball team embarks on a new era. They tip off the the next day against Ohio State and Columbus. Uh, We talked about that on last week's episode, so if you haven't already listened to that, make sure you check that out. but there's a full comprehensive preview on downthedrive.com with the returning players, the newcomers, the transfers, and and much more. And then football returns after an off week last week, Bearcats travel to ECU, and that's where we'll start off this special trick-or-treat episode. Essentially, I'm going to read a whole bunch of statements, and we'll determine if it's a trick or if it's a treat, if it's, you know, true or false. and For the third straight week, I am excited to be joined by my partner, Scotty Whitehouse.
1: Happy Halloween, if you're listening on a Thursday. And if not, uh, welcome to November, the final stretch of the year. Happy to be back on.
0: Yeah, thanks again for joining. And right, so in the spirit of Halloween, we wanted to do this special Trick or Treat episode, kind of treating it like true or false um, questions, we'll go through a few a few football things related to ECU, related to the team in general and then kind of get into both men and women's basketball. But any thoughts for you Scotty before we kind of jump into football?
1: Let's get to it. I'm ready.
0: So, let's go. So, off week last week coming off the you know, a struggle of a win against Tulsa but the Bearcats are 6 and 1 and If you bet the five and a half, you're already won the over on the win total. If you bet six and a half, like I know one of my friends did, hopefully you win it this week. But the spread for the game is 21 points. So our first statement would be the Bearcats will cover the 21-point spread at East Carolina on Saturday. Is that a trick or a treat, Scotty?
1: I'm going to say that is a treat. I really like the Bearcats to cover that. I will say there's another uh, uh, spread out there, or the over-under, which I had seen as about 48-and-a-half. I would put the under, and I'll tell you why. I think that this Bearcats team, which is already running the ball extremely well, is going to go against an ECU team who cannot stop the run at all. I think with Warren still most likely going to be out this week, You've got dokes coming in. He's just going to run and run and run. I'm um, going to slow the clock down. And that's why I say under, but I don't think ECU is going to be able to stop us. We get up pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and then we just, tr- we just drain the clock. So I say that's a treat. What say you, Mike?
0: I say that's a treat and I'll do you one better. I'm going 42 14. I think this game kind of reminds me. It's following the same pattern as the Marshall game where. They had a couple of games in a row where you saw the offense was slow and struggling. And then they had the, the off week came out against Marshall and put up 52 points. I think that's what you'll see this week going on the road to East Carolina this to will score 42 points. I think Ritter gets three three touchdowns, throwing the ball, one running and assuming Warren's not playing, dokes will run for two or, you know, maybe him and Warren will both get one if Warren is in there, but Mm -hmm. I read an interesting quote from the offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock, last week. I think Justin Williams from The Athletic had it. and Basically, Denbrock admitted that he did a horrible job against Tulsa. He fully took ownership of the mistakes and of the bad play calling. And it's interesting because obviously, you know, it's true. But I feel like older veteran coaches are typically stubborn and it's like, it, they're right, no matter what, and they just they had a bad day. And he admitted that he was wrong. I, I just think the extra week off, sometimes to kind of probably get away from from the city and from the team. I think will do Denbrock, and I think it'll do Ritter and the team well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I love that coming off the bye. I'm um, get us rest up. Not saying that this is another bye week, but you know we come in, we kind of get our offense right. We talked about that against Tulsa, right? We wanted to get our offense right. We wanted to get our penalties right, which we did a pretty good job at that. I, I do not have the stat in front of me, but I do know that um, the penalties were not as much of an issue against Tulsa. Um, and I do love that uh, you know we're taking ownership of the play calling. Uh, one thing I didn't touch on last week because we did the basketball preview was one. I was so frustrated when it gets to third and four, third and five, and we had you know first down run play, second down run play, and I don't care about that it's the third and five instead of just trying to do, you know, either a screen pass or a little seven yard out, we're doing these 40 yard fades and uh, fade routes. And it's not that that's just complete opposite of what we did the first two plays right in that set. Um, so if we can kind of draw that back a little bit and get a little bit of a better rhythm, um, I'd love it. So I'm looking at this game, not from a perspective of, um, you know, Hey, we got to, See what this, you know, see where we're at in the middle of the season. We know what this team's capable of. Now it's time to clean it up. We've got two games back to back. This and then homecoming against UConn. Let's get this offense rolling. Let's get Ritter feeling really confident going into the last two weeks. And I think that's going to happen. I totally agree with you on as far as um, getting the offense working. And um, I, I do think they're they're just going to kill them.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's important to establish the run too, regardless of who's back there. I mean, last year. We beat ECU uh, 56 to 6, and it was Charles Mm. McClellan and Tavion Thomas with Michael Warren out. So whoever's in the backfield, whether it is Warren or Dokes or even Ryan Montgomery, they got to get, they got to get the running game going because it's been a bit of a grind and a struggle this year, mostly because of the offensive line. One thing I do want to call out to one of the fun articles on the site is the history between Cincinnati and ECU. Ah, uh, Bearcats are four and one against the Pirates since you joined the conference. Three guys that I kind of want to call out here. One is Andrew Gantz. He hit hmm. two game-winning field goals in consecutive seasons. I remember both of them very vividly. The one at mm-hmm. Paul Brown Stadium was amazing because he who sh- he who shall not be named tried to blow that game uh, <laughs> from a coaching standpoint. They overcame his stupidity. He did? actually that guy? <laughs> Went three and zero against ECU, amazingly. Another wow. guy that went three and zero against ECU was Gunnar Keel, who threw nine touchdowns and over a thousand yards in those three wins. And Khalil Lewis, Khalil Lewis scored twenty one career touchdowns receiving. Seven of those came in three games against ECU, and actually six of those seven were in two games. He only had two games in which he had three touchdowns receiving. And it was the 2016 and last year's 2018 game against East Carolina. So just wanted to call out some of the history that we have with East Carolina, which is mostly positive for the Bearcats. Sure.
1: As it should be. Not the greatest football program. And that's why they <laughs> had a switch, uh, switch head coaches. I will say that the good thing now is that from the last, uh, three seasons, they were very consistent. They all three seasons went three and nine. Um, and uh, that's why they that brought in Mike Hudson. And uh, already they've exceeded that win total. So or they, at least I think they've tied that win total, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they've got three wins uh, against, uh, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Old Dominion, uh, Weber State, and then who's the other one? Oh, William of Mary. So, I mean, whatever. But they did get their three wins. They're doing a lot better. Um, but the last thing I'm going to say Throwing so out a prediction, if I could do a prop bet, I would. UC's going to get a pick six, and here's why: their quarterback is thro- has thrown the same amount of touchdowns as interceptions. So, I totally Ooh. think we're going to get a yeah. So he's uh, he's not very consistent with our defense. Um, I'm looking at the, the the offenses they've played against. They played against UCF. Oddly enough, they were somewhat when they played at UCF. They they held UCF to. 41 points. They scored 28, uh, which is a little bit closer than I would think, especially at UCF, but is what it is. You never know what's going on with that game. But yeah, no. Think of pick six. Think UC dominates, and uh, we move on to UConn and homecoming.
0: And speaking of UConn, you mentioned ECU has the three wins. They still play UConn, so you assume Ah, there that, you go. Yeah. So you assume that they will exceed last year's win total. I thought they would be much better against uh, USF last week, especially at home, but I guess South Florida, they look a little bit better. The trajectory might be up for the Bulls. They crushed well, ECU. I was a little bit surprised by that score. Um, I didn't give you this one before, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Trick or treat, Cincinnati will play in the Cotton Bowl. And I, I can go first on this one. I've written about it a bunch of times, and my answer is emphatically yes. I, I do think they will win out. ECU, Connecticut, South Florida, Temple, Memphis. I think they win all five of those. I think they win the AAC championship game. And at 12-1, and with their lone loss being to the team that I believe is the best team in the country, they're going to get the bid regardless of what happens with Boise State and Appalachian State. So I think the season ends in Jerry World on the morning of the college football playoffs on December 28th against a great team, a, a Georgia or a Notre Dame type team.
1: I say, treat as well. I don't see us losing. I love the way this is all setting up. Of course, I'm a little nervous at that mem- at, at Memphis. Um, I don't know how much I still believe in SMU. I think we take care of business. I'd love what we need is Memphis to beat SMU this weekend, college game days there. It's gonna be crazy. Memphis beats SMU. We then have the driver's seat to have a home game for the AAC championship, and then we go into the Cotton Bowl. I've seen everything from Texas to possibly now Oklahoma to even maybe Notre Dame. You never know who we're going to get. I've seen Georgia as well, but I love it. I say it's going to happen, and let's go. I mean, I, I I'm going to try to convince my wife for Christmas. Hey, let's go down to <laughs> let's go down to Dallas. We, I'll tell you a quick story real fast. Uh, I was I went to Dallas for work last uh, in September uh, for training. My wife is supposed to come down. She's never been to Texas. I'd never been to Texas. So when she was supposed to fly down on a Friday, a single cell storm hung over Dallas all day. It canceled the flight out of Dallas to Cincinnati. That was th- that that exact plane was then going to come fly right back uh, with my wife and my son. Um, because the flight got canceled, my wife is never able to make it, and so my our quote unquote couples Texas trip turned into just a Scotty trip. So maybe we have to go back down there, and we'll just have to go to I don't know a football game that happens to be in
0: you know AT and T Stadium or whatever. So I don't know. That's just me. So yeah, obviously, I mean that's obviously the goal. It's obviously you know the best case scenario. But so I wrote about this this week. I kind of compiled some of the bowl projections, and there's an interesting off the radar bowl game as kind of a consolation prize to them not getting the Cotton Bowl and that's the Liberty Bowl. Cincinnati played there, you know, nine years ago, but the projections are a big twelve team. So it could be a team like Texas or TCU. It seems like the scenario with the Liberty Bowl is that if too many if a couple of SEC teams make the playoffs or four or five of them are in either six bowls, that they won't be able to fill all their spots, including the Liberty Bowl and perhaps a one-two-loss AAC team could take that bid. So that would be exciting if they could bump the Bearcats or think they could bump anybody from the AAC up into that bowl, it would be a big deal. You know, I, I'd rather see UCF playing the Liberty Bowl against Texas than wasting them in the Gasparilla Bowl.
1: Exactly. And regardless, what you're going to see this year is a ton of AAC bowl games. This AAC conference football is killing it right now. Um, I think that I, I, what I obviously we want is uh, to be full of really, really great, competitive, big teams playing against the AAC and us dominating and showing us that, hey, listen, we're a conference that you need to start to really respect and consider when come playoff football, um, which I know is a really, really, um, long shot for us to ever get in, but you never know. And if you get an AAC at that, over the next two or three years where our conference is becoming stronger and stronger, and one of those years, the team, one of these teams go completely undefeated, they might be able to fall into that that fourteen playoffs. I think once they go to eight teams, if they ever do, we're going to be fine there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's – I'm pumped. I mean, I think this bowl season is going to be a lot more fun. Um, I like to watch the bowl season, but this is almost – um, something that I'm really looking forward to more than ever because I get so many conference games. I get to watch and look for not obviously conference one first one, but representing us um, in all these
0: bowl games. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Well, I will say this: this I thought that the schedule set up nicely for Cincinnati to make the playoffs this year. Had they beaten Ohio State, and then Ohio State been the dominant team that they have been since that since that game then this team would be talked about for the playoffs had they run the table because the win over Ohio State and then UCF, and just with the amount of respect and notoriety the AAC is starting to get, I think this was like the one chance you ever had. UCF beating teams like Georgia Tech and Pitt wasn't ever going to move the needle, but had we beaten a team like Ohio State, that's how you kind of move the needle and start that conversation. So sure, it, sure, it, yeah. thats I mean, it could happen in the future, but you have to beat a team like that. That's how it's going to gonna start. So mm-hmm. a topic that is near and dear to Bearcats fans and that has continued to pick up some momentum in recent weeks as the Bearcats continue to win is the future of Luke Fickle, whose name appears on all of these, you know, rising coach lists. So is it a trick or a treat that Luke Fickle will be the Bearcats coach in two thousand twenty?
1: I think that is a treat. Now there's a caveat to that, but I think he's in 21, 22, 23. <laughs> no, but do I think next year, yeah, and the way you look at it is is fickles not leaving i will tell you this he is not leaving for any power five coaching job, and I'm going through and looking at these possibly you know open positions and and teams that are struggling um like you know the Syracuse or Georgia Tech or even miami um uh you go to Texas Tech. I don't think those teams, and again, those are teams that currently are the bottom of the standings in their own conference. Um, even in the SEC, um, there's really nothing that like, you know, shoots out to me. Um, if Michigan struggles, although I know Luke Fickle probably is such an Ohio state guy, he wouldn't go there. But if you get a bigger kind of a blue blood quote unquote opens up, absolutely. I think he's gone, but he's not going to leave for just any power five school. And I think people have to understand that he will be. Uh, very cautious with what he's going to do. Last year he got talked to about West Virginia and he didn't do that. And I think West Virginia would be a great job. um, And he did not choose that. So um, do I think he's here? Yes. Next year? Yes. Do I think he's here for the long haul forever? Of course not. No. Um, But I don't think that's that's news to
0: anybody. West Virginia and Louisville, and Louisville obviously okay. local to him. So both of those teams were interested, which is why I say treat as well. And, yes, that's why I specifically said in 2020, trying to caveat it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Finkle was Fickle had opportunities to be a head coach at Ohio State. It's not like the Bearcats were the first team to ever offer him a head coaching job. She was just very calculated with it. And he was very smart about what he wanted to do and when he wanted to make his move. He's not going to go to Boston college. He's yeah. not going to go to Vanderbilt. Like he he's not going to take any old job. I think the one that scares people is Michigan State. I honestly don't see that happening based on some of his quotes from when we played Ohio State. I think he's, I think he was really uncomfortable with playing his alma mater. I don't know that he wants to coach against Ohio State every year and Honestly, we're only like two spots behind Michigan State right now in recruiting. So he doesn't right. need the Big Ten to bring in players. He's doing it on his own. Obviously, you know, in Ohio State, a Michigan, or a Penn State is different. But I'm not sure that – I don't know how elite of a program Michigan State is. And he's not going to go to Florida State or USC or, you know, someplace in a part of the country where he's never even been to.
1: That's true. All right. So let's talk real quick. And this is very hypothetical. Do you think he ever coaches for Michigan or would coach no, for Michigan?
0: No, uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's the type of job that he would leave for, but you know, I just, I think he, I think his principles are so important to him. I, it sounds crazy. Cause when you throw like, when you're talking about six, seven million dollars, nobody cares about principles and family and stuff, but that's the whole thing is like, I, he's such an Ohio man. That I just I don't think he would do that. Also, I don't think Michigan would want him. I, I think the fan base would hate it. Some of the stuff that happened in August with the James Hudson saga, I, I don't I don't think it would be a good relationship for either of them. And the other thing again with Florida State, and USC, and you know, he's not just going to take any old job. He does have six kids. This is kind of that the, that one detail that goes underreported by the media. People just look at Luke Fickle's record and they assume that he wants a bigger job because they can offer him more money it's gonna take a lot of money because you gotta feed six kids so yeah uh, you don't want to just uproot i mean you have kid you have a kid you don't want to just uproot your kid and make him change schools and make him get new friends like if you know money doesn't always buy happiness and luke fickle said this about bunch said this about kelly so this is i hope this doesn't bite me in yes but Money doesn't always buy happiness. And I truly believe that Luke Fickle is that kind of person.
1: I agree. I do think, like, uh, I could see him going, the, what what kind of intrigues me is a team, not a Michigan State, but, like, I look at, like, a Nebraska who's so close and he used to have such historic, uh, you know, success back in the 90s, 80s, who's just looking for somebody to bring them back. I'm not saying it's that type of exact team. But I could see a fickle going for a school like that. Now it's totally different than like a West or like a Virginia Tech or a Pitt or somebody like that because they've never really had success. It's, you're going to go in the AAC or a- ACC and struggle because of just the recruiting just not there. Uh, but I could see him going for something like that, who's maybe not "quote unquote" a blue blood anymore that maybe used to be. I always I do think like a Miami or something. But I agree with you. It's it's totally different, especially if you got kids um you don't don't think about that i can tell you i didn't even realize he had six kids i knew he had a lot of kids i didn't realize he had six kids and that's a whole kids. that's a whole lot of uh <laughs> of change so uh, i i agree let's just enjoy what we have now let's keep keep writing um, there's been a lot of twitter uh f- bickering amongst fans on this whole concept of attendance we did not discuss this and I'll be very, very brief and just give you my quick pitch on it. I think that well, if you here,
0: want, here, let's, well, yeah. sorry, sorry to get you off, but why don't we do this? I'm just going to throw one out there: trick or treat. The new con kind of game will be sold out, and now you can kind of <laughs> give the, me your give trick me your thing uh,
1: that way. Uh, I say, um, I say, treat on that. I do think it, it. Here's the thing: is do I think it will be? No, should it? Yes, it's homecoming. It's everything that's lining up. But, you know, it's the whole, oh, it's the opponents. It's who they're playing. The UCF game, nip at night. Of course, that game's going to get sold out. Um, but I do think, Bearcat fans, that if you're listening, go to the games. They're an absolute blast. I'll tell you what we did here. Uh, I've got season tickets. We had a full group go to the Tulsa game. And I told every single person, buy the cheapest ticket you can. Um, And this is sad. This is the kind of concept to do, but go ahead and use it while you can. And let's still at the stadium Buy the tip, cheap, cheapest ticket. You can all the fans up in the upper deck are super, super friendly. They all kind of mix and match and just find a section. And you all sit together. You don't have to pay $50 to sit in the lower bowl, pay 10 bucks, 20 bucks, sit up at the front, up at the top and have a great time. There's not a bad seat in that house. Um, this upcoming, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend's homecoming. Let's go out. Let's celebrate this team. Um, Chad Brendel from, um, Bearcat Journal said it and I love it. We should be selling out this stadium, not for the opponent, not for the game, but for the team and absolutely celebrating for the team. So, um, do I think it gets sold out? No, I actually, I think that's a trick. I, I don't think they get sold out, but they should.
0: Yeah. No, that's my whole thing too. As that was, that was definitely something that I agreed with was. You know, I you go to the games because you want to see the Bearcats. Yes. I don't. You don't care who the opponent is. Now, it's hard for me to really talk in detail about this because I don't want to come across as hypocritical. I don't go to all the games. I, I live in New York City. I'm it's not going to for you. I'm not yes. going to fly to Cincinnati every week. And quite honestly, for me, the opponent does matter. I, I know UConn's homecoming. I have other obligations that weekend, but no, like I'm not going to fly to see UConn or Tulsa or East Carolina. Unfortunately for me, the opponent matters, but for the people that are local, it should not matter. And I don't, you know, I, that conversation spiraled out of control last week on Twitter. I, yeah. I do, obviously the truth is, yes, we should be selling out. And I hope more and more people see that. And they see that college football is such a fun, uh, fun product. And this is a really exciting team that, We've just talked about it. it. Really is a chance to have a special season. My, I don't want to tell people what to do with their money and with their time, but my one plea to the people of Cincinnati, if you support the Bengals, stop. <laughs> stop Wait. yesterday and support the Bearcats. It's so just, much cheaper. The- also, you, you're going to spend a hundred dollars on bay, on Bengals season tickets or on Bengals tickets in general. The beer is twice the, the cost. The chicken tenders are are twice the cost. Go to the (laughs) campus. Go tailgate with your friends. Go make new friends. It's so much cheaper, and you're going to win. You're never going to go to Paul Brown Stadium and see your win. If you go to Nippert Stadium, especially against Connecticut, you're going to see a win. I promise you. So, please, that's my only real plea on this to people is – Stop supporting the Bengals. I know a bunch of my friends already have. They're already su- supporting the Bearcats anyway. But put your money towards the Cincinnati Bearcats, please.
1: I, uh, I might be living underneath a rock, but, and I maybe just haven't noticed. Are, are the Bengals, are they bad this year or something, or? They're not good. They're not good. <laughs> God,
0: God just kidding.
1: Fun. Just kidding. Actually, I have a friend uh, and their whole family are, <laughs> are season tickets for Bengals. And before the season started, uh, the dad called me and said, hey, we're not renewing our tickets. And I know you go to a lot of the Bearcats games. Talk to me about going to these games. Like, what should I? Parking, all this stuff. So people are starting to convert. You nailed it. Come, get cheaper seats, get cheaper beer, have a great time. You're going to watch um, just it's and I didn't tell you, never. I've been to Paul Brown Stadium. It is a concrete jungle. It's nothing. A nip is a blast. Even just the big screen, everything. My two and a half year old has a ball and he has no idea what's going on. He just, <laughs> he just does football all the time, but he loves it. So, uh, come to the games, folks. Come on. Let's go. And you I'll don't... be there. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll go. I'll meet and have a beer with you and we'll talk about whatever the heck you want to talk about.
0: The whole thing is you don't have to know what's going on. When I was a student, I went with so many, so many friends and so many people around me that knew nothing about football, but they wanted beer. They wanted the social aspect of it. That's what my wife loves about sports. She doesn't know half the things about sports. I I explained it to her, but she just wants the social atmosphere of all of it. So, yeah, Like there's just fun reasons to want to go to the games, and I I hope that everyone goes to the games, especially to UConn and then to Temple to celebrate the seniors and close out what should be a really special season. So I think we have one – Last one for football. Back to the kind of the coaching conversation. Marcus Freeman, our defensive coordinator. He will be in that role again in 2020.
1: This one's a tough one. You know, I, um, I'm i going to say yes. I'm going to say treat, um, but I could see him leaving. Although I know he has a very, very good relationship with Luke, but eventually, I don't care how good of a relationship it is. When you're that talented, you got to go off on your own and you got to be your. Um, you know a head coach somewhere else and he is talented enough to be able to do that. Um, where he goes I don't know I, I would hate I would really hate for him to again we've talked about this like going for a program like a, a pit or something like that that's just like ah you can go somewhere if you just hang on just a little bit longer you could just get this banger job. Um, but I do think he stays I think he stays at least for next year. Um, see what they have they're building such an amazing team stay. Let's go undefeated next year. Let's see what the possibilities are. Um, so I think he stays. That's a treat.
0: Uh, I'm so conflicted on this one. I am going to say trick. I don't know exactly where he goes. The thing with him is I, I he turned down interviews last year with like Bowling Green and Akron. I don't think he's going to leave for the Mac. I think if – I mean a, a team like Missouri who I think is starting to struggle a little bit or – I don't know if Kentucky moved on from Mark Stoops. Not that I think they will maybe Boston college. I mean, I can see him kind of getting out of his comfort zone a little bit and leaving the Midwest area. I thought Illinois would have been a good fit, but they've won a couple of games the last few weeks. I I think he will leave. I think he's going to kind of strike the iron while it's hot. He can get a very significant raise. The the whole catch is that I think he only leaves though for a power five job that does offer a significant raise. And, yeah, I mean he is super. Him and Luke Fickle are like legitimate best friends uh, beyond mm-hmm. football. So it's going to be hard to walk away from him. But if if a power five school comes calling, if and that, I don't even know, but if an SEC school or a, a low rung Big Ten school comes calling with two $2. Mm-hmm. two and a half million dollars, I think it's going to be hard for him to say no. And I think one of those schools will come calling. Sure. So, I agree. so Let's. Let's shift gears to basketball. We I know we talked a lot about this last week and we can kind of touch on it a little bit. Um we already know the answer to this one, but trick or treat, the Bearcats will make the tournament for the tenth straight season. This is a treat we talked about this a lot on the last episode. I think they will I, I think I had them at twenty six and six or twenty seven and five. I think they're gonna put it, they have a really exciting non conference schedule a lot of challenges. I think they're going to learn and grow throughout those challenges. It'll kind of be like trial by fire for them. Uh, and I think it'll really get them ready for a strong run in conference play. So yes, I do think that in John Brandon's first season that the Bearcats will once again, make the NCAA tournament.
1: Love it. Totally agree. Uh, it's not a matter of if we make the tournament, it's a matter of what our season is. It's a matter of, can this season be special for a, the very first year for Brandon? And could we even, you never know in March, make it to that second weekend first year? I love this opportunity. I love this, uh, that it's only a week away. Like I'm so giddy. Yes, they're going to the tournament this year, folks. Let's enjoy the ride.
0: They are. And I'm one more thing on, on football that ties into basketball. I wrote about this in that article and I just, I wanted to bring it up again because. I was proud of this comment. So the first time Cincinnati beat EC, played ECU at AAC Play was 2014. It was 54 to 46. And when I looked again at that box score, the first thing I thought about was, oh, my God, McClone, and I'm looking at a basketball score. <laughs> I was legitimately confused. I genuinely thought that when I typed in ECU Cincinnati box score that a basketball game came up until I started reading and I saw Gunnar Keel and names like that. So –
1: well, I think that might have been the score last year when we went to ECU and got beat. So I don't, I don't know what the final score, but it. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but speaking of going on the road, we do open up the season at Ohio State next Wednesday. They're ranked 18th. They are a tough team. Matt Norlander, who's kind of become the king of, king of Bearcats nation continues to praise Cincinnati from CBS has us win in the conference. <laughs> I That's know. I love this. Prince George, Cumberland, and today he released his you know top team in each state. He has Cincinnati number one in Ohio, so that's a big my, deal. Is my Cincinnati- favorite
1: part of that thing, real quick, was his talk about Xavier getting thrubbed against Akron. <laughs> that was so great. Of course, I sent it to all my Xavier buds. Uh, yeah, that's it's amazing. I don't know what's up with this guy. I don't know what he's been drinking, but I'll I'll take some of it.
0: I'll take it. So the question is: Is Cincinnati going to prove to be the king of Ohio next Wednesday? Is it a trick oh. that they're
1: going to that they're going to win uh, Columbus? It's going to be a trick. Yeah, I don't think we go into Columbus and win. I think we go and be competitive. It's just too early in this season. You take this game and put it towards the end of the year. Um. Uh, yes, but now no. Um. I think it's and it's okay. We go in. Um. Ohio State just in Columbus itself is it, it's so tough to win. Um. I love everything that um that we're we're putting towards this team. Um. But it's just not going to work out on this end. I do think we lose. I I hope, like I said, to keep it within about ten. Um. If we can even keep it within five and make it a two or three possession game towards the end of the game, I'd love that. Um. But I do not think we pull the win out.
0: Yeah, neither do I. I do think Ohio State, led by Caleb Wesson, who really dominated Cincinnati last year in the opener, I think they're a tough team, and they're very well coached. I think it'll kind of be a lot of I, – I, it might not even be that close, honestly. I just think there's going to be a lot of, like, touch and go with this team, kind of learning the new system and feeling each other out, a lot of new players. So, I'm excited to see what happens, but I'm not that optimistic about that game. I am optimistic, though, that they're going to learn from it and kind of take those – experiences until later in the season and obviously the one guy that everyone can't wait to see is jaron cumberland who thankfully decided to return for his senior season will jaron cumberland do something that no mick cronin player did Sean kilpatrick came the closest but jaron cumberland will be a first team all-american and i want to say it's a treat i truly believe he's one of the five best players in the country i think he will get That recognition from being a senior, he'll be in the spotlight. The Bearcats play a lot of big games throughout the season. I think he'll average over 20 points per game. I think this new system is meant to fit him. And obviously, I think John Brandon is a really smart and intelligent guy that he's going to build this. He's going to kind of build the system on the fly. He's going to do what he needs to to put Cumberland into a position to be successful. You know, if something's not working, He'll try something else. He wants to try Cumberland at the point guard and run the offense fully through him. So as long as the ball is touching his hands on every possession, yes, I think his assists will be up. I think his rebounding numbers might even be up. And for sure, his scoring will exceed 20 points. I think Jaron Cumberland will be a first-team All-American.
1: Don't kill me. I think this is a trick. I do not think he is first-team All-American. Do I think he's the talent? Do I think he's a top-five Talent in the in the country Absolutely yes But with the talent we have coming in With the new offense, the new look The design, the switch to get him To play a little bit more point guard Get him ready for the NBA Brandon's going to do what he can to work on him Brandon's got a lot of players uh, Not players, but he's got a lot of You know, uh, people, sources um, Buddies up in the NBA And he's going to be working with Cumberland Constantly and trying to get him ready For the next step in his career I just think it's gonna you're gonna see numbers not dwindle from perspective of scoring, but I do think it's gonna be a lot more spread out. Do I still think he could do it from there? Yes, um, but I do think that uh, we talked about this. That everyone, you know, oh, well, UC will go as far as Cumberland will take them. I don't think that's the case. I think UC will go as far as our offense as as far as our team will take us because we're so diverse with, with our scoring. Um, and I, I just worry that Cumberland comes in and um, not, I don't worry about this. I love this is that he comes in and he's just such a better all around player, which still could get him that all American. I mean, I love the fact that he's a senior. He's going to get those vibes, but I just, it's such a hard thing to do is to become, you know, basically top five player um in the country with all the freshmen, with everything coming in. Um, I'm going to hedge my bets and say, trick on this. I, I oh,
0: hope I'm wrong. I hope you are too. I mean, a totally justifiable explanation, but yeah, I I hope you are wrong. So one more on basketball. This one on the women's side. I mentioned in the opener, the women went 24 and 11 last season. It was their best year uh, since 2003. That's also the last time that they made the NCAA tournament. Can they do it this year?
1: I say treat. Yes. Schedule looks pretty good for him. Um, I love, I, I, I love this team. Uh, bringing back um, so many players when we mentioned bringing back five starters from last year uh, is is huge. Um, I love everything that's going on with this team um, as far as the transition. Um, yeah, I, there's no reason why um, Clark Hurd can't continue to build her success um, and we move forward and win. I will say. Um shout out to <laughs> this is funny shout out to Sam Rogers um, I met her parents while tailgating a couple weeks ago and I got to meet her dog and uh her dog's lovely so wow, and her dog is very uh shoot i was i think it was like a mixed breed uh but the dog was very very friendly to my little one which is awesome that's huge bonus points so uh, my wife and i already talked about it we are going to go to the yukon game for sure um we want to see yukon Um we already looked and we're going to try to go to some other games um i know they um they've got some really fun home games folks they got ohio state at home um they got miami side note i love that they're playing miami men's need to get that uh, rivalry going. Um, I think that would be such a cool University of Miami rivalry in basketball as well. But really, really good games um, at home this year. So go out, support the Lady Bearcats. I think this team is going to be really solid, and I think they make the tournament.
0: I agree. I wish the men did play Miami. I'm so against it in football. But at least in basketball, you know that Miami is not going to produce like an RPI in the 300s and they're going to be better <laughs> yeah. than all those swag teams. So I, and you need a couple of, of soft games in basketball. So I don't mind it. Yeah. I'm all in on this women's team. I think they're going to be really good. I'm actually really, really excited, uh, for UConn to leave this conference because it'll, Cincinnati is 0 and 20 against UConn and. I think they legitimately have a chance over the next couple of years with Michelle Clark to win the conference, regular season, and conference tournament and really guarantee their spot. But I think they're going to get in as an at-large. I think Antoinette Miller is really good. She started all 35 games. So did Angel Reiser. Uh I'm going to mess up this name, and I apologize. But Elmario uh, Thomas also played all 35 games. Both Thomas and Miller were named to the second second team. Um, all AAC during media day. Florence Seifel was the AAC newcomer of the year last year. Like you mentioned, Sam Rogers is an excellent shooter who also averaged just under 10 points per game. And the two girls that I'm really excited about are Jada Scott and Jaden Scott. Yes. brother is pretty famous at Fifth Third Arena, a guy named Trayvon. But these girls aren't just here because of their brother. I mean, Jada is ranked the number thirty. 39 wing in the country. Jaden's ranked number 33 and she's actually ranked 248 overall. So Michelle Clark hurt is bringing in really good. And Australia Watson was also the number 231 ranked player nationally. So it doesn't sound that exciting, but for the Bearcats women's basketball team, it is to pull in two players ranked in the top 250. Uh, it's, it's really exciting. And Michelle Clark has tournament experience. She, she, uh, she led Western Kentucky there in 2017 and 2018. So I think they're going to do it, and I think this is going to be a consistent thing now over the next couple of years.
1: Bringing back the amount of minutes you have to—that is so undervalued. But we big. have so many minutes that we get to bring back um, underneath Michelle Clark Hurd's system. You get that again, second year or third year running with that, or sorry, second year with that. It's it's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love this team. Um, I know that I saw that they were, you know, uh, predicted to finish tied for third or something like that. Let's go out and win the whole conference, right? Let's knock off UConn their last year. I mean, they're pretty much said to us anyways. Let's play like our heart's content and, and and knock them off. I love it. Yes, they're going.
0: In the last game we played against UConn last year, we lost 65-55. I actually remember watching that game because it was on local TV here in New York. Because all the UConn women's games are, it was impressive. I mean, they lost by ten. It's hard; you don't always believe in moral victories. But against UConn, with the mm-hmm. way that the women's basketball program has been over the last couple of decades, that's a that's a win. I mean, that's a moral win. And anytime you can get close to UConn, also, and if they can get to the tournament, it'll be a big slap in the face to guys like Gino, to people like Gino Oriama, and to Rebecca Lobo. Those two, amongst others, had a lot of negative things to say about Cincinnati last year after Mike Bone fired Jamel Elliott. Elliott was here for nine years, never won anything, was a terrible coach, was not very well liked from stuff that I had seen. So, I mean, they were going nowhere. They were stuck in neutral, but the neutral happened to be well below 500. I know they made the NIT in her last year, but obviously last year proved that it was the right move to get Michelle Clark Heard And... Hopefully they can continue to win to validate the decision to bring her in and to fire Elliot.
1: Uh, again, I, I'm, I'm living underneath the rock. I Like I said, I don't know about the Bengals. Is, is, is UConn women's team, are they pretty good or are they typically good? I, I don't know.
0: You know what? They're right number five this year, so I don't know how no. good they're going to be. I saw the, <laughs> I the women's that. AP poll came out today, and I, I, I follow the ESPN Nation UConn site, and, they had some not so nice things to say about them being number five in the eight people. I was fascinated by this.
1: And Gino will get him ready as he always does. It of course. It's amazing being to five watch. Is the that, best thing that, that's
0: ever happened to them. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So any final closing thoughts on the women, on the men, on football?
1: Man, this is the, my favorite time of the year is right now we're getting the end of football season. We're getting the start of basketball season. Uh, the month of November, I mean, it is pure Bearcats. Wear your gear every day, folks, because, um, every single second, something new's happened. Our recruiting is being crazy right now. We've got a bunch of recruits that are floating out there, whether they come, whether they don't come, we don't know. But, uh, so uh, this is a great time to be a Bearcats fan. Be proud, wear that big, see Paul on your chest and then let's go. I'm, I'm pumped.
0: I'm pumped too. Definitely a good time to be a Bearcat fan. Like, like you said, so much going on. Make sure you're tuned into down the drive, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or down the drive.com, because there's a lot happening and there's new content and articles and podcasts and posts every day. You don't want to miss it. Follow both me and Scotty on social media and, Continue to interact with us. We love it. This podcast is now on iTunes and Spotify. So if you haven't subscribed yet, that's a dumber decision than deciding to go to a (laughs) a Bengals game over a Bearcats game. Please subscribe. Give us a good rating. And we appreciate you all listening. Thank you. And go Bearcats.